Every week, we do a Q&A with interesting and accomplished members of the adaptive community to find how they persevered, how they innovated, how they built communities, and how they found solutions. Welcome to the Name Tags Chat Podcast. Welcome to the Name Tags Chat Podcast. Sorry for the slight delay here, but uh, really super exciting. We have Jay Ra, who is going to blow your mind. Uh, first mono skier to do a Cork 520. Cork 520, you will get into it a little bit in the, as we go on, Jay, but that is one and a half times. So it means that you're landing backwards, right? Yeah, so I do uh, 540. Yeah, so it's a uh, 360. It was a 720 would be the, uh, my math is, is yeah. as a result of the, uh, of the technology. Yes, yeah. exactly. The 540 and then the, uh, and then the 720 you've done as well had a, a uh, base jumping accident, fell actually 480 feet, broke your back, and then came back seven months later and base jumped again. So we have amazing stuff to get into. Thank you for joining us, Jay, and uh, let's, let's get to it. Sweet. Yeah, this is fun. So thanks a ton. So where I saw you was in some of your videos on Facebook in a mono ski. I mean, doing the 540s, doing the 720, throwing a backflip like it's no, it's no big deal at all. In the which is absolutely amazing. Oh, and I forgot that you've actually you were just in the Matchstick Productions, uh, uh, Matchstick Productions, uh, and I'm Stomping forgetting the names. What is this? The Stomping Grounds. Stomping Grounds, exactly. Yes. Uh, so anyway, so yes, so the stomping grounds and this is just, I mean, it's been an absolutely crazy ride that you've been on. It sounds like from the, from the time you were little that you like to jump off stuff. Is that, is that something that was just ingrained in you or, you know, is this DNA? How did that work? I'm not really sure where that comes from. My, uh, my mom tells me this story that when I was 18 months old, she walked out of the room for two seconds. I climbed out of the high chair onto the counter, onto the uh, microwave and onto the fridge and then jumped off onto her, uh, walked back in the room. So she said, you're going to gymnastics. You need to do something with that energy. And that's kind of where it all started. Is it, is it something that you just, that you just love that you just kind of look at things and you look up and go, that looks cool. Like I've got to go jump off that. Is that, is it just something internal in you? Yeah, I, you know, it's always been normal to me, but like when I talk to other people, they don't see things that way. So I, I figured out that I'm kind of like not alone, in, but it's, it's very different than uh, most people's perspective. But yeah, I love looking at, you know, different cliffs and, and different, when I was younger, different trees to climb and bridges to jump off of and eventually buildings to jump off of with parachutes. And... Now, people often talk about like fear overcoming their fear or fearlessness for you is there fear yeah yeah there's there's always fear i uh i was told when i first got into skydiving that when you're not afraid of jumping you need to step back and re-examine your your uh, motivation for doing it like there's always a healthy amount of fear it's what keeps you safe you know um but yeah learning how to how to how to work with that and and use that to to help drive forward instead of uh, prohibit or inhibit you from from doing things. And so, what you get back from it is far greater than the fear stopping you from doing it. 
Yeah, for sure. And it's only scary the first time. I mean, that's that's the biggest fear is, is the unknown. You know, once you start going for something that that's new, that first step is the hardest. And after that, you, you kind of are like, oh, I can do this or oh, yeah, maybe you shouldn't try that again. Yeah. <laughs> so so base jumping really was the thing that kind of brought you to mono skiing. What was the attraction to base jumping and describe um, what base jumping is, I guess, for people as well? Uh, so base jumping is an acronym. It stands for uh, building antenna span, which is a bridge uh, and earth. Um, and it's basically where you jump off of a fixed object with a single uh, canopy parachute system. Um, you can jump super low and, and all, the, all the way up to, to super high. I think the lowest thing I jumped off was like 205 feet. And the tallest is probably a 1200 foot antenna. And that's where jumping low is actually riskier than jumping high, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, with skydiving, you've got like a professionally packed reserve and you're supposed to pull, you know, above 3,500 feet. So if anything does go wrong, you've got that extra spare pair that's packed up by a professional and inspected every few months. And you got, you got that extra time to fix problems, you know, with, with space jumping, you got to pretty much get it right the first time or you're in trouble. And with 250 feet, you really have to get it right. Yeah. Yeah. The, the prime bridge is, is 486 feet. It's about a six second rock drop to, to impact. So you don't have that much time between jumping and pulling your parachute, like four seconds max. This is like a punt in the NFL kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, pretty <laughs> much. <laughs> now, so, so you decided you wanted to get into base jumping and how did how did that happen? Because that's a bit of an interesting story, right? Yeah, I mean, I uh, I found, uh, well, I, I wanted to get into base jumping because I just had this urge to go do flips off of a building and I wanted to repeat that. So I was like, all right, parachutes. <laughs> so uh, I, I looked it up and had to do like 200 skydives. So I started skydiving. And then uh, a buddy of mine found, uh, you know, Miles Dasher. He's, he's a part of the Red Bull Air Force. Um, he was looking for people to roof his house in exchange for a base jumping course. A couple of my buddies, we hopped in a, in a truck and just drove straight across the country from Florida to Idaho, uh, roofed this guy's house. I mean, the second we showed up, he's like, here's waivers and here's parachutes. We're going to go jump. And it was, it was on. How did the conversation go when you called him up? Right. I mean, so he wanted you to, to fix his roof to, to roof. And so, I mean, how did that happen? You know, I wasn't actually the one that organized that. Uh, my buddy Luke was online and, and going through forums and saw one that made the call and was like, hey, this guy, this guy said I can bring a couple guys out with me. And, you know, if you guys want to do this, he said, just bring experienced skydivers and, and we'll teach them how to base jump as long as you can roof my house. And uh, yeah, we were just, yeah, all right, let's do it. <laughs> okay, so you had 200 jumps or at least 200 jumps skydiving. Right there, yeah. Did you have any roofing experience? I had a little bit of roofing experience, but mine was minimal. And my job was much, you know, the demo. And then I was on cleanup duty and, and shucking materials up and down. And that's, that's how I was useful. Uh, my buddies had a, had a bit of experience. And then uh, there was a guy, Bob Osborne from Canada. It was actually his 3000th roof professionally. So he was pretty much the ringleader, the crew leader, you know, running laps around everybody doing like, getting rows in by the time we're getting like two of them tacked down. So it actually worked out really well. Miles sold the house a couple, a couple months later. And the guy that uh, 
his inspection was like, this is one of the nicest roofs I've seen. <laughs> it was pretty cool. He was stoked. So you built a great roof and that earned you into base jumping. And how does that progression work when you start like miles is teaching you how to base jump what and he gave you shoots and like all right let's go like where did you go uh so we went off the bridge in uh twin falls it's called the perine bridge it's uh legal to jump any time of the day any any day of the year uh neighbor is nothing you just go out there with your gear and climb over the edge and hop off um miles pretty much gave us a, a course that that was uh you know, he, he took us over there. There's there's a couple different styles of jumping. The first one we did was called a pilot shoot assist, PCA. So he held on to the pilot shoot and the bridle, which holds the pins that hold the parachute in place. And it's attached to the top of the parachute. So when we, when we jumped, he holds on to that until the parachute completely opens and it rips it out of the hands and, and you're flying. So that's a, that's a pretty easy way to get into it. And then after that, we went handheld where you're holding the pilot shoot in your hand. You jump off, let go. And then we went stowed where the pilot shoots attached to the to the bottom of the container pouch, the BOC. You jump off, reach back, pitch. So it was a uh, pretty intense. And in the middle of that, he was teaching us how to pack parachutes, and and you know then we had to jump our own pack jobs, and, and uh, yeah, it, it was fun. It was a, it was a wild course. Was it was it exactly what you thought it would be? It was better. Yeah, it was crazy. And, and I mean, it was terrifying. You know, it was just one of those things you, you, you're standing there. You're like, I've been dreaming about this for a minute and now it's happening. And it's way scarier than you can imagine. The first few times you're just like, what am I doing? It's very counterintuitive to climb over the edge of a bridge and jump off. You know what I mean? It's just not it's not what your body wants you to do. Not what your body wants you to do, but then these other guys that you're with have been doing it a lot, and you yeah. look cool in front of those guys. Plus, they're well, was, driving by, and they must be looking at you like, "What is going on? What are you doing? Do I need to call nine one one?" Yeah, yeah. People actually stop frequently, and they're like, "Did somebody just jump off of there?" And everyone's like, "Yeah," and they're like, "What? What do you mean? Yeah?" They're like looking at you like hey, parachutes. Oh, okay. Okay. Are you sure that's okay? Yeah, exactly. That's what, that's the follow-up question that I'd ask. Wow. So, so you got pretty good at this. And then, I, I mean, this is the, this is the weird thing. I mean, we talked about falling, right? I mean, we talked about fear, right? And one yep. of those, one of those nightmares that we have that everybody seems to have is that you have that, that falling dream, right? That falling nightmare. Yeah. And supposedly urban legend says that you're not allowed to get to the bottom because if you but, you know, I mean, I heard this like at summer camp or whatever, you know, that you'd have a heart attack or whatever and actually die in your sleep if you did it. But you yeah. actually fell and hit the ground. Yeah. And then came back and jumped again. So what's that? How do you package up that that fear and that sense of like, you know, of, of who you are and I don't know, and how you get yourself to do it again? So, I mean, a lot of things happened in that jump that uh, you know, were, were different than, than other jumps. So I was standing on somebody else's shoulders. Um, you know, I ended up falling backwards. We were supposed to tilt off together. And when, when we went to go forward, I fell backwards, tried to jump back on the bridge and tumbled and pulled his parachute out. And then I landed inside it. It collapsed around me and, and spiraled down. I mean, the whole time it it was scarier watching the video for the first time than it was actually in the moment. I, I, I kind of went into survival mode where it was like, all right, 
shoes wrapped around my leg, pulled that off. One's trying to wrap around my head, get that unwrapped, land inside the parachute. And, and that's when I like was looking up at the sky and I was like, this canopy's flapping around me. It's really quiet. All I can hear is just the, the, the canopy flapping. I couldn't feel the wind or anything. I was just like, this is not right. Kicked over and I saw the ground and I just, you know, it was like, I'm going to hit. And that's the last thing I remember. I don't, I don't remember actually smacking the ground. It's kind of funny you mentioned that, you know, you, you, you hit or else you get the heart attack. Like, I don't, I don't recall hitting. I just remember seeing it and knowing I was going to hit, but there was no, there was no fear. There was no time for it. I mean, the whole thing happened in nine seconds. Right. Wow. And, and so maybe that urban legend is true. you like, you don't actually remember hitting you, you never yeah. actually hit in the, in the real life, which would have been the dream, but then. Yeah. So, so you had to go, you had to go to the hospital, you had to come back through. People often ask, like, I mean, I've been through a similar kind of thing, right? I mean, I, I had a skiing accident and came back and skiing was really the thing that motivated me. And people said, how do you recover? And I was like, find something you love to do. And that'll be the reason that you put the work in is to get back to that. Is that the way that it worked for you with jumping? So, I mean, right off the bat, they, they pretty much told me that if I walk again, I'm lucky, you know, whatever I had, I, it, like, I'm, I don't expect anything more. And I just was like, nope, I'm not doing that. I'm walking. I'm going to get back to it. I was convinced I'd be up and running, you know, back to base jumping in like six months. Right. And uh, it, it dawned on me slowly that like, all right, this is going to take a while. <laughs> but I mean, keeping that positive attitude was pretty good. The, the one thing that I, I really... Uh, I wanted to focus on is, is not letting that fear like take over and become a, a, a like a something that I can't get past, you know, certain, I mean, accidents like in car crashes where I, I'm driving the next day and I'm just 10 and two, just white knuckle, you know, cause it's, it's scary. And it's something you've done a thousand times, you know, but now, now it has this, this uh, stigma to it that you're like, I can, I can really get hurt doing this. So my focus was to not let that, you know, become something that, that was going to be like a, I don't know, an inhibitor in my life. Um, and it almost did really. Yeah. Yeah. I, I got up to the bridge. Uh, we went to bridge day in West Virginia and uh, the night before, you know, my family's out there with me and they're like, you don't have to do this. I'm like, yeah, I might not. And like inside, I'm just like so scared. But the next morning I get to the bridge and all my friends are there. I, I almost missed like, you know, like just kind of freaking out. And uh, I got there and I'm standing there with my parachute on my back and all my friends and all this stuff. It just felt right. I felt like I was at home, you know? So I was like, no, I'm doing this. And there was no doubt in my mind that that's what I should do. And it went great. You know, I planned a water landing, super soft, <laughs> nice on heading opening. <laughs> well, which is true. So, so one thing you, you do walk again. I mean, it, it's, you're not running, you're not riding your bike the same way that you were, but you are able able to walk. But you mentioned that the the fear you don't you didn't want it to to let it take over. Yeah, you're in the hospital. How do you go about not letting that fear take over? You have a choice of doing the thing again or allowing the fear to stop you, and it's just making the the very hard decision sometimes to to just break right through the longer you let that sit the longer you let that that go unanswered and, and unchecked i mean it's almost like you know watching hockey like 
they score a goal. If you don't score another one back, they can pick up momentum and just run away with it. So it's, it's like, I got a goal score on me, you know, I need to come back. I need to answer this and I need to do it strong. And, uh, I just, I feel like that, that helps me to, to kind of get through it. It's like, no, I'm not letting this beat me. You know, obviously what I did was stupid in, in and of itself, the base jumping. I mean, I'd done almost 400 jumps before I got hurt, all of them safe. I think there was one that was sketchy and I'm just like, you know, this, if I do it right, isn't gonna, isn't, isn't as dangerous as the one that I did. So that was kind of an anomaly. You know what you mean? go do it. And was it, was it that battle also when you were in the hospital? Like, I remember, it's funny that you talk about hockey because when I was lying there in the hospital bed at one point, and it was soon after I kind of like was conscious of what had happened. One guy, you know, knocked another guy into the boards and I was like, Ooh, like those, those guys could get hurt. Cause I felt so fragile. Like my spine yeah. in a lot of ways felt like a fluorescent light bulb kind of thing, like those long tubes. And I was like, Oh, I feel so. And granted you get past that, but it is, it is that daily battle in some ways. It's not just, you show up on the bridge and go, okay, I had a goal scored on me. Now, yeah. now I'm going to score my goal. You know, and it's, I mean, that's putting it really lightly and like maybe just a, something that like a broader uh, audience might understand, like for, I, I definitely had that fear that that timidness that like afraid, I mean, even now I'll watch movies and somebody will get out of their, have their cane with them. Um, Cause I walk with a cane. I'm like, Oh, where's this cane? And I'm like, retired. <laughs> like, what, what do you think it did? <laughs> it's, it's, it's an interesting process. I mean, and, and just the way that you end up looking at yourself too, just before, after, and I'm still the same person. Yeah. Ways. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it was a huge, uh, uh, I mean, it shifted my life in a, in a big way. I was uh, just had the blinders on. I was just going to be base jumping and I wanted to be a professional base jumper and wingsuit base jumping. And I was going to do tandems. Like I had this whole path lined out, but I was missing all this other stuff because my focus was so narrow. So when I, when I wasn't able to base jump for so long, I, like my perspective broadened and I saw all these other things that I wasn't doing like, man, I can do a lot more. I can, I can still base jump, but I don't have to make that my thing. My like every day, like I don't have to be focused on the next and is my parachute packed. The winds are good tonight. You know, that kind of, that kind of uh, a lifestyle, which was cool. You know, I mean, it was forced, but I think that, I mean, realistically, the, the direction that I was moving, a lot of my friends aren't with us anymore. And I, could have been right along with them. I don't know if this was like a, a lucky thing that, that you know, I, I didn't go the route that they did. You know, the wingsuit base jump has taken a lot of people and, and uh, that was my path. So, I mean, fortunate enough just to be alive um, from that from that accident. And I sometimes wonder like, that maybe saved me from, from something worse. I, I don't really know. <laughs> sometimes you need to be saved from yourself, I think is what it comes down to, right? Yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> How did the skiing part come into it? Because you're from Florida, so you're not yeah. skiing doesn't doesn't you know maybe water skiing, but not really snow ski. Yeah, I mean, I I snowboarded uh, before my injury. Um, you know, we we take the trip the once a year, three two three days ski or uh, boarding, heading out, out here up to North Carolina. Um, you know, just just with the family. Um, and right before I got hurt, I spent like 30 days out of two months uh, boarding actually at Canyons in Park City. Okay. Um, 
so I, I, I like wanted to do that stuff, but you know, when, when I got hurt, everything changed. I didn't think I could do any of this. And, uh, a buddy of mine was in a car accident when, when we were kids and, um, he had, uh, he's, he's uh, brain dead. And so his mom has taken him out sit skiing, um, where they, where they help, uh, ride him down the mountain. Mm-hmm. And, uh, she told my mom about that. And my mom was like, Hey, you should do this. And I'm like, no, <laughs> Cause I just didn't want to be, I didn't realize that you could do it on your own. The videos that I watched, everyone was just getting pushed out. It's like a roller coaster ride, you know, and my pride or whatever ego was like, nah, not me, not going to do that. So when I found out that you can actually have fun on these things, this was like three years past my, my accident. I, I wish I had done it sooner. You know, I just, uh, my girlfriend and my mom, they, they pushed me into it and I didn't want to do it. Didn't want to do it. And I finally go out and take the lesson. And I'm like, yes, this is it. Like the first day, the first ride, I was like, this is going to be fun. Like, I like this. Super thankful for it. And I would imagine, I mean, you're, you're being able to walk a bit, you know, or being able to walk with a cane, like you probably picked it up really quickly. Like you probably made turns like first run kind of thing. Yeah. They, they actually, um, they had to like tell me to just fall over so he could teach me how to get up. Cause the whole day I, I, I didn't fall. And I, <laughs> I was, I it was totally the, different than my experience, but anyway, go ahead. <laughs> I mean, honestly, I, 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 it was still, it was terrifying because you're coming in, you got the, the claws on the, on the back of the outriggers that are, they're using those to stop. They haven't really taught us how to stop yet. So I'm coming into like lift lines, like, please stop. It's <laughs> terrified. I'm going to mow someone over, but yeah, I mean, it, it was, it was really cool. I did that out at the uh, Wasatch uh, Adaptive Center. And the people were amazing. They wouldn't let me pay for anything. They, they got me in on like literally the morning of. I, I We're like getting ready to leave. And my mom's like, hey, call this place. They're right around the corner from you. If they can get you in, I'll pay for it. So they. Oh, that's awesome. They hooked it up and it was really, really cool. It was the way it worked. Wow. That is that is super cool that you just that you got that experience. And sometimes you see I'm just plugging my computer back in. You see the uh, you see the generosity of people. Yeah. You know, it's it's like stuff that you'd never experienced, and so all of a sudden now you're you're out there skiing. And when you first started skiing, did you think, okay, one, this is what I want to do? But did you think that you wanted to do what you're doing now, the freestyle stuff, the in the park stuff, or how did that come about? Yeah, I mean, you know. Uh, like I said, growing up in Florida, I didn't snowboard a whole lot. I was just learning how to do 360s when I got hurt. So like I just started landing them. I, I never really thought, first of all, nobody was really doing this stuff. And I, I just wanted to do it just to see if I could, you know, I wanted to add that trick to my, to my repertoire, to my, to my, you know, bag and be able to just have fun. And, uh, it was cool. I mean, the park, uh, the park laps like started just gradually building from smaller kickers to the bigger kickers. And again, I mean, that whole progression is terrifying because even if it's like five feet bigger, it, it looks like it's 20 feet bigger. And like, it, it's scary, you know, but Going that's the ops. Yeah. Yeah. You got yeah. 30 pounds of metal strapped to your butt and you're not quite yeah. sure how that's going to react when you get in the air and yeah. over the top and then just keep windmilling down the, you know, <laughs> down the, yeah, which is not fun. So, so you just started building just a little bit and were you doing it on your own or were you doing it with somebody else or um i i had a few people that i that i would guess uh riding with but a lot of times i was just skiing by myself you know so i'd find little side hits and that's what i was starting off with and uh 
Bilbo Ness, he actually helped me put my rig together. And I was asking him, I'm like, man, my, I keep nosing in every time I go off of one of these side hits. He's like, well, if you're leaning forward, you're going to go forward. So if you don't want to lean forward, if you don't want to go forward, lean backwards. So I kind of adapted my style. I, I sit really far back seat, like the whole time that I'm riding, not just for jumps. Um, and I, I notice a lot of people are leaning more forward and, and kind of diving into it. And it's just, I, I think that that style is more for what I'm doing. I think it works pretty well. Um, but yeah, I just kind of had to, had to come up with it on my own. I watched a lot of ski videos, you know, uh, ski tutorials on how people are doing 360s and they got the helicopter, you know, and I tried it, I tried it like that. And I was getting about 270 and downhill edge slam into my shoulder, but I picked, you know, a late spring, uh, to, to try it. And so it was slushy. So the landings, even though they sucked, they, they were pretty soft and it, it was pretty quick that I realized lean uphill, you know, like you don't want to take that downhill edge slam. And then, uh, I started adding a carve into it and started making it almost all the way around. And, uh, on day two, that's, I went to squaw and, uh, met up with uh, Tanner. I mean, I, we were just walking up and he was like, Hey man, like that's super rad. You know, you want to ride up together. And, uh, so we sat on the Funatel and just talking, talking. And I told him like, yeah, I'm trying to do a 360. He's like, I want to see that. And so he's like watching and, and, uh, he started telling me, Hey man, look, that carve is great. But if you take a little bit slower into the, into the throw, like, you know, just giving me little pointers on, on how to speed up and slow down different, different aspects. And after like five or six tries, it, it came around. And when I got it right, like I knew right on the takeoff, I was like, I'm landing, like I'm landing this. And it actually ended up corked out. And so I was kind of going carved in and then dipped the shoulder kind of like a, like a full cork axis. And it just comes around and lands right on the bolts. And I was like, this is it. That's money. Like got it three times in a row. And I was like, all right, this is, this is it. This works. Okay, so you've got to define a couple of things. So first, the, the cork aspect of it, but then also you were talking about Tanner Hall and, and tell us who Tanner is because some people might not necessarily know who he is. Tanner Tanner is a legendary skier, man. He is one of the best in the game right now. I think he's like 36 years old and he's charging harder than most 20-year-olds. I mean, the guy's an absolute animal. Um, always coming up with new tricks. He's just on, on fire, honestly. Last year, he uh, busted his Achilles, so he's out for the whole season, and he's just been uh, amping up for this new next season. Uh, I think he's I think he's ready for it. Yeah, that happened in January, like right in the beginning of winter. So, um, but yeah, Tanner uh, rides for Armada. Um, he's just a just a rad, super awesome guy. And Big Mountain in the park. Big Mountain, yeah, getting into the free ride world tour. Um, I think he did that two years ago um doing that big big park guy super good uh aerialist with with all of his jumps um he's got a lot of videos out if you check him out on youtube tanner hall pretty much anything's gonna be gold it's he's he's, he's fantastic so you got the 360 which which in a lot of ways which you know i grew up in the 70s right so they called it a helicopter back then you know back in the wayne wong era and stuff like that and it was nice. kind of the whole thing was was you you go where you look Right. Yeah. And you get, which is a little bit harder for you because you've just got such a an extended center of mass with your feet out in front of you, where if you're yeah. just standing up and you turn, you kind of look and that's the way it goes. And I, I remember doing it as a little kid and doing the doing the the 270s, which are not a great way to <laughs> go about things and much, much worse in a monoski that just fly swatter crap, yeah. which 
in some ways you you got spared that it sounds like when you were learning how to ski you didn't get that flat ski across the hill catch the outside edge fall on the on the high side so so josh duick you got to see josh do the backflip what did it do for you i mean it just it just opened that door in my mind i was like i was looking for anything about sit skiing that was cool i like i saw people racing i was like this looks like fun this looks neat but can you jump can you take it in the park everyone seems to be just riding fast and it looks it looked like a good time you know but my my i've always been geared more towards the jumping air spinning flips kind of kind of aspect of of sports so uh i just wanted to see someone do it and i came across josh and and i mean the video that he's in doing that is ridiculous he's doing pillow lines and um then he does the backflip and it was it was amazing i just just seeing the seeing his body in motion in the air uh kind of showed me like okay if you spend time practicing this like you'll be able to do stuff like this now he started that at woodward right where he was going and jumping into the foam pit to figure out how to do a backflip it doesn't sound like you went that's like your stuff is more on snow than it is into the foam pit is that true yeah i mean it, it so for the backflip, the first backflip that I did, I just took it straight to snow. Um, I, I had been trying to do a 180 up a, up a spine to land on top of the spine so I could stand there and videotape my friend snowboarding behind me. And when I came up, I my uh, shock like loaded so much that when I came off the top, it popped me up in the air. And that 180 turned into a flat spin 360 that I landed on the other side of the spine and rode out. And I was like, whoa, can I do that again? Like, what, what did that even look like to everyone that was watching? And they were taking videos and I was fully uh, parallel to the ground. And I was like, this is insane. And uh, I started doing like what was like an alley-oop. So like coming uphill and doing like a pole plant alley-oop where my ski was coming up overhead and coming back into the spine. So I was like, well, I'm already getting vertical. Like I'm already getting the ski over my head and bringing it back down. Like the snow is as soft as it's going to get on the backside of the spine. Like it, it's pretty low risk because you're, you're going up right? You're not going out. So you're not taking speed. All your speed translates into vertical and then you're just coming down. So it's like, if I, if I mess this up, like I probably will be okay. So I just kind of went for it and I went in a little hot. I was, I was kind of nervous. I went in a little hot and I went in on the short end of the, of the pipe. So all that speed took me off. And I think I got like eight feet over the deck. And as soon as I took off, I was like, shit, like I, I messed up. This is a bad idea. I tucked inwards. Like I brought my head down because I, I couldn't see anything. Like it was all white. Everything blended. I couldn't see the landing. I couldn't see the sky. I didn't know what was what. And I just tucked and windmilled the arms and hoped for the best. And then I landed it on the ski and I was like, holy crap. All right. No more of those. I'm going to go to the foam pit. I'm going to do this right. If I do that again and in skydiving and base jumping, they, they say like one for the luck bucket. So like, you got lucky that time, but now that luck becomes experience. And now that you know what not to do, if you do it again, you're just a dumbass. So you got lucky. There's one for the luck bucket. Go do it right next time. <laughs> okay. So then you decided you were going to go and figure out how to actually do a backflip. And, and some of your backflips are just traditional backflips without necessarily having a twist or, or any of that to it. Is that where you started with? Was that just traditional backflip? Uh, yeah. So, um, pretty much the, yeah, the backflips, the only ones that I've done are, are just straight up, uh, just with the arms back 
kind of laid out right. backflips. Yeah, the core kind of seems like it's a it's a backflip. So that's that's an the core. You get inverted. Twist. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So the cork just refers to the axis that that your ski is at when you're coming around. Um, they call it corked when you're when you're kind of on a, on an axis like this. I'm not a hundred percent on all the the nomenclature. The the different everyone's the, people are very particular about corks and double corks and because the axis has to be just right for it to be considered a cork. But the uh, yeah the way that I do the 360 is is corked and the 540 and the 722. But the 720 it's not double corked because the second one's like this. So the first one it's like a single cork 720. It's funny, man. It's it's pretty in depth. It is pretty in depth. I mean, I've watched some of the some of the stuff in the pipe and hearing the announcer go, you know, this and that and this and that. And I'm like, what? I'm not sure. You've got to slow this down because I can't see all of what you're talking about. I have no idea. Right? Like, are you guys watching this ahead of time and then you're looking back at it? You're like, okay, this is what it is. Like, just calling it. Yeah, it's like I've got to I've got to study before I before I watch that stuff. So. So after watching Josh, then then you brought that back to the snow. What was the first backflip like when you did it on snow? And did you just do it in the park? Because I've seen you do these in the park. He built his his jump and had the the huge powder landing and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the the first one that I did was um, at, it was at Squaw, and they had a uh, they had a spine feature that was pretty sweet. I mean you came downhill at it so you can get a lot of good speed and, and, and years after they started building it. So you had to come sideways at it. So you couldn't really get the air over it, but this year it was perfect. Um, and I, I just, again, I mean, I felt like I could do it cause I was already inverted and I know how to flip and I've got pretty decent air awareness, which was not true in this case. Cause I can see the, like when I can see the landing, my air awareness is good, but when it all turns white and I wasn't sure what was what I, I yeah scared there but uh but yeah after that after going to the to the foam pit like i was able to to do several of them to the point where now i've got the the technique to get it around down and i was able to slow it down so like in my mind like i'm comfortable with the actual rotation and now i can control it so now i'm looking back and i'm spotting the landing and now i can see if i need to speed up or slow down and do whatever's necessary to, to get it around right which comes in handy because if you're doing different jumps different size jumps being able to to slow it down and not just hucking it and hoping it comes around, it, uh, it it opens up the you know the possibilities for where you can do this, how much space you need to do it. Well, this this brings us into the movie to a certain extent, right? Because you're talking about taking this stuff out of the park and bringing it to the cliffs, right? Where you're doing your cork 360s, 540s. I don't know 540. That sounds like it's a rough one out of the uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, the, so the hope right now, I, I, I was able to take the cork, the cork three off of a cat track on a pow day. So I was able to, to go off of a cat track and, and uh, get the 360 around and land on a pretty steep full powder slope and, and ride off on that. So the, the goal for this next year is uh, to just find a, a good rock diving board at, at Squall. I don't know what it's going to feel like, how to set it off of a flat takeoff. I've only ever done it off of something that has a kicker. Right. I would imagine that that is hard. And the thing is, I mean, you're talking about that added weight too, right? So, so just yeah. with the mono ski, I mean, you've got it, it, it's not going to spin as quickly as someone would just with skis on. Right. And so, so what does that, what does that feel like? Because it, it's kind of part of you, but it's not really part of you. 
when you're doing yeah. it. Yeah. It's, it's part of you for sure. I think that once, I mean, if your course, if you can, if you have a core when you're riding the sit ski, it really helps because now you can engage that and lock and, and turn. But if you don't, you, you, you still get the same. It's still part of you, right? you you just twist your shoulders and you go where you look and, and your body's going to bring it around. Like it's, it's not, it can't do anything, but follow you, you know? So it's, it's, uh, I don't know. It's, it's, for me, I, I can, I can feel it. Like I feel when I'm riding, like, as long as my bucket's right, like, like I'm locked into the seat properly and everything's like tight. I'd, I'd imagine it's similar for racing. You just don't want any space. You want everything to be tight. And so that your movements transfer immediately. Exactly. No, you really, you really do. But it, but it's also, I think the commitment part that you mentioned is is a big part of that, you know, like, okay, if I go like somebody, somebody I had seen Josh's thing, but a friend of mine sent me his, his video and said the first monoski backflip. And I was like, well, that was the first intentional monoski backflip <laughs> taking some nasty crashes, you know, and you've seen some, yeah. some of these sort of like backflip kind of things, you know, and, and to do the same thing to do the 360 or whatever, you know, so, so up and 360 degrees of full, a full circle yeah. i think i mean some of that has happened in crashes and those kinds of things but not yeah. you know it's that kind of like that. that that like skiing powder and you catch the uphill outrigger and all of a sudden then you're then you're just you're just at the mercy of the mountain you know and it's like yeah. things happen but you're talking about something that's entirely different where it's the commitment you have an intention of yeah. actually spinning the whole way around and you make it look really easy. I mean, you make it look like you're in control. I remember watching the video. I think you'd done it at the, at the end of the springtime or something like that. I think it's squad where, where you did, I think it was, I think it was a, a cork 360 and then you went and did a backflip right out, right after it on this, on the subsequent jump. And it's like, whoa, like, you did that, you got your act together and then you did this next thing and it all looked completely under control and like logical. Yeah. In my mind, which is not logical though, you know, and I'm looking at yeah. it, like, that, that looks like it makes sense, but it doesn't make sense in my mind. So yeah. How, how did, how did you get to that point? Did, did that happen relatively quickly or the point of being committed and feeling like you were in charge of where you were going? So I, I don't recall the exact timeline from the first backflip that I did to the to the second one that I did. Cause that the the video that you're referring to, I did five backflips that day. And of those five, I, I landed them all, but there was various levels of control. And that last one I really, I really got it dialed. But I'm really fortunate, you know, that that's up at Boreal Mountain. And right there they have Woodward. So that day, you know, I've been working myself up all week. I'm like, I'm gonna do the backflip, I'm gonna do the backflip. This jump's perfect gonna do it and uh it's you know it's one of those things you just gotta you gotta get you gotta get there and if you're not there and you try it anyways you, you're you in for what you get you know you might do it you might not but but for me like if I can see it if I can visualize my way through it and I fully understand what is going into it what I'm going to be going through it makes it easier for me to, to actually go for it I'm not just hucking it and hoping I make it around I did, you know, 10 or 15 backflips into the foam pit where I could actually see what was going on. I could feel the timing. I could spot the landing. I was paying attention to what I was doing. 
every step of the way I was breaking down video and I'm watching my arms spin and I'm like, okay, that's the wrong way. Bring them up, hold them tight, wait, wait, and then set down. You know, I, I, I broke all that stuff down in the foam pit so that when I did take it to the snow, it was as safe as it could possibly be. And it, and it turned out clean, you know, uh, I got a little excited on the first couple and almost over rotated. Cause you know, you get up in the air and now you see the snow, but like, I didn't realize I'm still going up. So I see the snow and I'm like, Oh, I'm about to land, but no, I'm on the, I'm on the uptake and my, my back is just so arched that I can see it before my body gets over. And so I, tucked just a little bit too hard and landed on the tail and rode it out. I'm like, Whew, all right, relax on the next one. Yeah. It, it takes a lot. I mean, there's a lot of mental prep work that goes into, into making that happen, but it's the 360. I, I've done so many of them at that point that it's, it's almost, you become so familiar with it that no matter what size jump it is, if you, if you do the jump once or twice, you know how fast or how slow you need to make the rotation so it, it becomes natural. So I, I was really comfortable with like landing that 360 straight on to be able to, to focus and get ready for the backflip. That's awesome. I mean, it, it's so cool that you've, that you've done all of that practice. And certainly this is, this is a high endorsement for practice, for the mental imagery, for having the commitment that if you're going to do it, you need to be completely committed to doing it or it's going to end badly and it can end really bad. I mean, you can end up, end up on your head. Yeah. I mean, you've already, you've already had a significant fall. You don't want to do, do that fall. How did the, how did the movie come about? How with, with matchstick, how did you end up getting in with them? I mean, obviously you must be an attraction based on what you're doing, but how did that work? So again, I'm fortunate to be in the area that I'm in. Uh, Scott Gaffney, who is one of the filmers and producers for, for Matchstick Productions, been with them for years. Um, he lives right around the corner in Tahoe City. And we cross paths skiing every once in a while. And Hey, what's up, Scott? You know, hey, what's going on? And uh, I guess I caught his eye with, you know, they, they were filming one day and they're up on Mainline Pocket, which once you get off one of the lifts, then you got to hike up. Uh, to this to this ridge line and uh, had a couple buddies with me helping me get my gear up there and uh, he was up there filming I think it was Sam Cooch and a couple other athletes and uh, we're just over on the other side jumping off the small stuff they're they're off like the 40 footers I'm over here on like the, the 10 footer <laughs> but um, yeah he, he said he watched me go off that and then you know uh, my my post like the the um, 360 went viral you know so I think that hit his radar a little bit too. And, and uh, it was just uh, the, the video that you mentioned with the 360 and the backflip. Uh, I posted that and, and like 10, 20 minutes later, I'm, I'm at the top of the hill and he calls me. I like answer on my uh, headphones. I, I had no idea who was calling. He's like, hey, Jay, Scott Gaffney here. Hey, what's up, man? <laughs> um, you know, and I actually met Scott. I was looking for skis when I, when I first got out here and uh I, I was also looking for some of his movies because there's a book called uh, uh, Squallywood and it's almost like a like it's like a climber's guide for skiers it tells you all the different rocks and the different heights and the different jumps and drops and and it, it details like it, like in, in great detail honestly like how how to approach it the different levels of snow how dangerous how easy it is and and it also references movies and the exact second in those movies that somebody goes off of it so you can actually see what they're what they're writing about so i'm looking for some of these movies and i posted on on uh, facebook and, and somebody put me in touch with scott 
brought me over a couple movies and a, and a pair of K2s and it's like, yeah, man, I'm stoked to see somebody stoked about these movies. You know, I think one of them was called 1999. It was like Walls of Freedom. They're like, you know, 20 years old. So he's, he's high. He's like, yeah. That is awesome. And the thing is, I mean, you've met a bunch of people and you actually have your High Fives t-shirt on, which they helped you out with your nice. with your monoski though, right? I mean, really um, early on? No, I, I ended up, uh, I, I got in touch with them like the year after I started skiing. Um, I moved out here and uh, my buddy told me about them and I, I went to apply. I think I was missed, missed the, uh, the cycle. So I had to wait for the next season to come around. Um, but yeah, they've, they've helped me out with a ton of stuff, man. Physical therapy, acupuncture, massage, um, you know, counseling, like they're, they're, they're amazing. They all free gear, you know, you get the high five swag and they're just, they're an incredible group of people, man. I'm really, really fortunate to have found them. Yeah. And tell, tell people a bit of what they do. So the High Fives Foundation is, is geared towards helping people who've had like traumatic brain injuries or life-altering injuries, spinal cord injuries to, to get back into the sports that they love, the outdoor sports. Um, they do this through uh, fundraising and, and getting uh, sponsors from a lot of local companies um, and, and other, other uh, sports um, type uh, companies. They, they help a lot of people. I think there's like almost 450, maybe more at this point, athletes that they've helped uh, with anything from, you know, physical therapy to buying like vehicles, you know, um, sports programs. They help them get, get the training that they need, the equipment that they need. They get them hooked up with the right people. Um, they're, they're just an incredible, incredible group of people. Right. Roy Tuscany, the guy who, who started it, the founder and yeah. Great yeah. guy. Yeah. yeah, Roy. Roy's the best, man. I, I uh, was at a mountain biking. Uh, they had a downhill mountain biking event uh, a couple of weeks ago. I'm just looking around at all these people. You know, you got athletes who are, who are riding bowheads and then you got some of them riding, riding bikes. And uh, we got a, we got a couple of veterans up there. You know, it's 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 just amazing. Everyone's all smiles all day. And I'm just like looking at Roy. I'm like, you did this, man. You're you're awesome. <laughs> so cool. Well, it's cool. I mean, you found yourself in a couple of different communities. I mean, certainly the high fives community, which is an amazing community, but then also in this, in the ski film committee community, what, what was that like? What was it like with the other athletes when, when you come out there, uh, you know, are you a peer? Are you, are, are you more than a peer? How does it work? Um, so, so the way that the premiere went, um, they had, uh, I think there was me, myself and, and three other athletes there that were in the film. Um, they, they did a tour. So the different stops on the tour, whoever's there, some, some people were able to travel with the tour. Um, I, I ended up catching the one that was in, in my town, uh, in, in Tahoe. Um, there was, there was, like I said, three, three other athletes. So when they, before the movie, they kind of introduce us and have us walk up and, you know throw out gear and they, they do raffles and giveaways and stuff. It, it was really cool. You know, it was, a, it was an amazing experience, kind of, kind of mind-blowing, really. I would imagine, and I mean, part of where I was coming with that question, I remember being at the X Games and watching the Monoskier X at the, at the X Games. I was actually doing some of the commentary. And, and one of the things that blew me away, I think I've told this story a bunch, but Darren Rolves came running up to go to go watch you know he was watching the monoskiers you're like i don't want to miss this and he thought it was the finals and it actually was just the semifinals but at the yeah. same time he's like i don't want to miss it and and what i thought was cool about it was it was like that's kind of a sport where it's like 
you're doing it on snowboards, you're doing it on skis, you're doing it on mono skis. It's just, it's just a different way of approaching the same thing. And that variety doesn't make, it doesn't diminish it any, any, it actually kind of makes it cooler that you're like, Oh, you're doing the same thing that we're doing or like trying to, because everybody's got that like thought of like, you know, what do I want to do? What am I, what is my version of perfection? And uh, did you get that sense with, with the other athletes there, maybe when you're filming or, or when you were at the premiere? Um, I, I only filmed with, uh, with a couple of athletes for like one or, or two days or kind of, kind of short days, but we're lapping around and, and yeah, man, they're, they're really excited. They, you know, everyone kind of has that same response. Like I didn't even know this was possible. And, and like, they're just excited to see it, excited to, to watch it. You know, I, it's, it's one of those things for me, like I, I'm in the park a lot. So like I'm doing these three sixties a lot and I'm really dialing it in and like, it's not new to me, but like for people who are seeing it for the first time, like their response is just, it's, it's awesome. Everyone's so stoked. Um, and the people at the premiere too, the, the girls that I met and the, the one guy that was there, they were, they were hyped, you know, they'd been to a couple of the performances and their the shows shows and they were like, uh, man, your section gets the biggest cheers from the whole crowd. Like everyone goes off. It's, it's insane. So it was, it was something else to, to be there and, and actually feel it and be, you know, be a part of it. It was cool. It was, uh, you really feel like the, the energy in the room, like people were psyched. So which is exactly, I mean, it's the beginning of the season. I mean, this is, this is what you're supposed to do. Get people all ramped up for the ski season. It's yeah. funny that they say that your part gets the greatest cheers because you are probably also looking at them and looking what they're doing going, that's amazing what you yeah. guys are doing. And then they turn around and go, no, yours is the best part. What does that feel like for you? I mean, for me, I, I don't know. I, I look at it. They, they opened it with Sam Cooch and he's doing these massive 720s off this, these like big mountains. And I'm just like, yes, this dude's killing it. And then like Sam's messaging me like, dude, you're killing it. And I'm like, this is wild. You know, I, I didn't know what the, what, what my part was going to look like next to these other people's parts, but it held up. And I, I was, I was pretty proud of that. I, I, uh, I and oftentimes was like, I'm in here with like Mark Abma, you know, Sam Cooch, all these, all these amazing, people. like, what am I doing here? You know, like, yeah, I'm dropping off of a cliff, but you know, Sam's dropping off of one that's three times the size and doing a 720, like it's nothing, you know, probably eating a, eating a protein bar while he's doing it, like just chiller mode. So, but you know, it's, it's cool. I, I think that, uh, I, I don't know. I was, I was blown away, honestly, by the support for it. And I, I, everyone wants to see more. So I'm, I'm excited for that too. You know, I was well, more, that's perfect. That's a perfect segue to this year, right? So this year is just starting. What are you looking for? I mean, you've done some amazing things. What's on the, on the checklist here? Um, you know, obviously I'm going to keep pushing uh, the spins further uh, safely. I, I only had a chance to do like eight, seven twenties last year. And uh I, I really want to get that dialed to where I got the 360 dialed. Like I want to be able to do it every time and, and be comfortable with it. Um, and then once I get it there, I'm going to, I'm going to keep see if I can get the, the, you know, uh, 900, which is two and a half land backwards. Um, What's the yeah, I mean, backwards like? I mean, that looks like it could be really hard. It's backwards. terrifying. Yeah. It's, it's sketchy. And it's not even just the landing. It's the fact that you have to land and then ride it out and like 
turn around. I, I, I landed it several times before I ever wrote it out, you know, the 540. And I, I just kept grabbing an edge and, and I couldn't figure out why. And I, I, it was, it was like, you know, I didn't have it slowed down enough yet in my, in my mind. I was still just spinning as hard as I could and hoping that I landed backwards. And uh, yeah, I think once, once you can get to the point where you're seeing it, then it becomes fun, you know, but it's, it's wild. I've thought about putting a mirror on my, on my foot plate before. <laughs> Which could work or it could just totally disorient you completely. Yeah. No, I just, just mean, just mean like, uh, I, well, this is also for, for riding switch into jumps, but. Well, uh, exactly. So once you've yeah. landed or once you're going in. Yeah. Yeah. So that I can just see, cause I mean, I, I've been riding at the trees when I landed before and I, I just knew that I was going for the trees. I mean, they were pretty far away, but I, I cut the distance in half between me and, me and the trees, you know, from the landing, I just dumped over. I just didn't know where they were, you know. So that's the initial, initial break that you have, you know, when you first start learning. Yeah. Um, control. Okay, fall. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Now, what about getting this into the Paralympics? I mean, I've saw, I've seen some, some talk about that. Like there are other people who are doing this. I mean, uh, Trevor Kinnison's doing some stuff uh what, what, emily a woman in uh in norway is doing some stuff it sounds like yeah emily emily erickson uh she's crushing that there's there's several people that are that are um of the of the same mind that, that are pushing the sport pushing themselves want to want to see it get there there's a lot of younger guys getting into the sport right now um I've, I've received lots of messages hey how do you do this how do you do that like what's up you know um as far as the paralympics go i mean i think that it's it's at this point like an eventuality you know if, if everyone continues to to progress if, if say i land the 900 and then go for the 1080 and trevor's over here doing backflips and double backflips and you know we're, we're learning how to do different boxes and, and rails and i think that it, it becomes a viable sport especially for free riding it's, it's definitely viable for for free riding um but you know i i feel like the best thing that i can do is to just continue to push myself and uh you need you need other people to be at a competitive level to compete so it'll happen you know what i mean i, I think that i think that we're just laying the groundwork i think josh duick mentioned something that, that that like we're paving the way for for the future i might not ever be able to compete in the sport but you know it'll, it'll be cool to see it one day when it happens it's interesting because when I was reading about that, I was thinking about, I've talked to some of the, some of the snowboarders, some of the amputee snowboarders and, and how they ended up getting into the Paralympics. And a lot of it was, was this sort of groundswell of, of support, just th their own support where they all, yeah. they came together and they're like, Hey, we're going to, we're going to do a competition. We're going to do it. And, and it's, it became this amazing sort of team kind of thing, which was so cool. Like in Sochi, when they swept the podium, right? The first, the first yeah. snowboarding. And it was all these guys who had been together forever yeah. and, and they built the sport and then they got to get to go and, and compete in it. Is it that kind of a feeling with the community or, or are you kind of in so many disparate areas where it's like you have your region and, and Trevor has his region and Emily has her region, but you don't really get a chance to see each other that much. Um, I mean, it, it feels like that, but also there's like a decent sized group of, of sit skiers out in Winter Park. And uh, if I'm not mistaken, they tried to, they put on some type of, of uh, competition, like a local competition that they had, like a bunch of sit skiers riding. Uh, I'm pretty sure it was like a free ride style 
comp, but I mean, the, the mindset's there, right? Like everybody wants to do this. Uh, there's a lot of stoke between the people that I've talked to about doing this. So I think, you know, like you're saying, like you just build it yourself. So like, like we would put on the competitions, you, you organize it and put it, put it together and say, Hey guys, we're going to ride this hill. We're going to free ride this, you know, I'll, I'll try to organize some sponsors. We'll, you know what I mean? We'll, we'll get permission from the mountains and, and kind of go that route. Um, and then, I mean, my, my thought on, on at least the, the park skiing aspect of it is if people push themselves hard, like you're going to get there. I mean, it didn't take, it took me 15 tries to do the 360. And then after that, I had it, you know what I mean? It took me 15 times to do the 540. I landed the 720 somehow my first try, I got like a 50, 50 land, land fall rate on that. So it's, it's, it's there if you want it. And if you practice, it's there. Um, I just don't know where everyone's at with that. Uh, as far as, you know, I, I'm, I'm pretty high functioning. I've got good core. I've got, I've got my legs. I, I don't know how much that really trans transfers into somebody who's full para uh, because, you know, I think Trevor's done a couple of three sixties, but I haven't really seen mm-hmm. too much uh, else from him on that. I know Emily's really pushing hard. She's getting close to doing it. Um, again, I, I'm not sure what her injury level is, um, but I, I think that that's going to have a factor for sure. But well, part of it's a willingness, right? A willingness. I mean, you said you're 50, 50 on these things and it's like, okay, when you land it, that's good. When you don't land it, it's fairly catastrophic. I mean, it's not yeah. just a, you don't just sort of fall over there. There's a lot of force and a lot of weight and, and uh, things that are, that are kind of challenging there. So well, go ahead. Well, so I'm, I'm 50, 50 on the, on the seven twenties, but that's like my, my learning curve right now. I'm like 98% land rate on the, on the three sixties. Really? It's very rare that I fall on the three sixties. That's awesome. I mean, it's, it's just yeah. super cool and it's cool to see where, where it's going and with the, how have the mountains been? Like the, the support in the mountains, the, the park, I mean, it, you know, is some general manager out there going, hey, hey, there's some guy in the park in a monoski who's upside down and spinning, like send ski patrol out there and, and stop him. Like what, what's the, how's that been? I've actually gotten a lot of really good response. A lot of, I had a lot of buddies a couple of years ago on the park crew. They were just psyched, you know, like we I'd get there every day that, Hey, what's up, man? Like you going for it? Yeah, we're going. How are the jumps? Oh, they're doing this and that, you know, like it was, it was good vibes. I think everyone was pretty, pretty excited about it. I, I, uh, I've only gotten one weird, like I was on the edge of a cliff, uh, getting ready to drop, drop off. Uh, and, and this guy was coming up the ski lift and Hey man, are you all right? I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm good. Just point it straight off and just drop, you know, that's, that's pretty much the, the only weird, like, <laughs> thing that I've gotten out there. Yeah. Just stay there at the top of the cliff. I'll come save you. You're like, no, I'm good. You don't. Yeah. Need to- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'd love to see his face, honestly, just, just cause I mean, he's like genuinely like, Oh my God, this dude's like cliffed out. Cause I mean, it looked like it. I was, I was probably only a ski length away from the edge of the, the cliff. I probably didn't look like I was in a good spot. Well, if, if he wasn't assuming that you were going to take the cliff, you look yeah. like you're in a really bad spot. Yeah. Like yeah. needing a tow truck kind of, kind of yeah. bad spot. How about <laughs> the movies? Will the, will the movies continue? Is that, is that something you want to do? 
Yeah. So, so for that, I mean, I, I talked to Scott um, and I said, Hey man, like, I'm, thank you so much for this opportunity. I'm, I'm really excited. Like, are you stoked? He's like, yeah, I'm stoked. And I was like, do you want to do this again next year? He's like, yes. So I think, you know, for me, I, I I'm going to work on uh, trying to get some sponsors to, to partner with, to help uh, um, make some of these projects happen, do some bigger mountain stuff, um, you know, different trips to different places uh, so that we can get, you know, not inbounds Squaw Valley or Palisades uh, resort uh, terrain. It's just, I, I was really inspired watching these people ride some of these bigger mountain lines. And I was like, man, I need to do that this year. So I'm going to take it is, is just trying to get some bigger mountain lines in. I, I would imagine that the sponsorship wouldn't be all that hard. I mean, the stuff that you're doing is unique. It's super cool. You do it well. And, you know, I mean, it, it's attracting a fair amount of attention as well. So I would imagine that people would be getting in line to help you out with that. Yeah, that'd be sweet. I, I think uh, I think my steps right now, I'm going to talk to Scott and see if he can make me a little promo reel so I can just start shooting emails. <laughs> that, that's got- exactly it, yeah. And, and, and some of the, it's interesting to see like on the monoski side, like we actually, I connected with you through Kevin Bramble who makes your, who makes your monoski. Right. And so yeah. Bramble's like, Jay's the guy who's doing the best stuff out there. You got to talk to him. And I had raced with Bramble back when we were both on the ski team. So that's how I know, how I know Kevin, but how did, how does all that stuff work? I mean, you've kind of, you kind of jumped into this to a certain extent. You said you're only four years into it and, and yeah yeah I mean, and stuff yeah i you know i really don't know how it works to be honest with you i just i, I just get out there as much as i can and, and ski as i can and just kind of push myself you know progress incrementally and, and just kind of chip away at it and it's it's kind of built you know everything that i do like i didn't just do a 360 and i didn't just huck it you know i was doing little 180s i was doing ground ground 180s and riding switch and and then I did like 180s on, on smaller jumps and then bigger jumps. And when I was doing that, I, I'd like over rotate accidentally. And I was like, oh, wow, I, I came like 90 degrees from doing a 360. So I wonder if a 360 is possible. And then it's like, OK, we'll get them get the 180 down and then, and then go for the 360. And same with the 360. I over rotated a few of them, almost went 540. And I was like, once I get the 360 down, maybe let's try the 540. <laughs> so it all just kind of happened naturally. It just, I, you know. Same with the rock drops. It's like, okay, like go off a little two foot rock and then a five foot and then a 10. By the time you know it, you're 40, 45 feet. Like, it's right. a different, different feeling. I mean, I don't know for sure. Going off these 45 feet footers, I, I've not done that. And I don't I've think I done, will either. I've only done one of those and, and uh, it, it was intense, but it was intense. It was, yeah, it was cool. <laughs> the the drop in, it was basically blind. You had to drop in because I, I couldn't get down to the to to where I could just kind of turn in slow. So I was 15 feet above the takeoff, having to point it straight down off the off the uh, cornice up there and and just jet off the rock. I had some buddies up there. They stomped down the snow to make sure I didn't hit the hit the lip because obviously you can't pop over the rocks. And then you're just off. It was wild. <laughs> so. We'll get you out on this one. What are you telling these other people who are, who are kind of following behind you? Um, you know, I, I really don't, I don't, I don't really have like a, a message. My, my, the main thing for me is if you, if you just coming off of an injury, 
get get out there ASAP because my biggest regret is that I didn't start immediately. I started three years in. I could have been skiing for seven years now, you know. Um, but but that's that's big. And then just follow your heart. I mean, if you don't if you don't feel like going big, you don't don't go big. You know, if it's not really there, and and if you are feeling like going big, just start small and 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 build it up because. We've all obviously been through some sort of, of accident or had something go on that, that put us in the sit ski. And my girlfriend loves it. You can always get worse. So very thankful to, to be able to walk. You know, I, if, if, I, I just, I don't want to make it worse. You know, I'm not, I'm not chasing the next thing to the point where it's like, I'm going to be dangerous to get there. Just slow. And, and it happens. I mean, it happens faster than you think, but incremental progress well that's that's a really good message because watching your stuff it looks like such a finished product right that and and it makes sense it makes sense just okay yeah i see how that works boom 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 okay good no problem but the progression is the thing that we don't get a chance to see when you were going to the 180 when you ended up at 270 which is not a favorable place to be that usually means that means you end up on your head and and so trying to figure out how to how to get that incremental part and being being relatively safe it's not like go in the park and through, go through a backflip that's not that's yeah. not going to help you it's not going to be a, a healthy way of, of moving forward yeah yeah i think uh, i think this year I've, I've got a lot of asks on the 360 a, a tutorial like a full-on from from beginning skiing to to doing the 360 just to kind of help break it down because it, it really is all a bunch of small movements put together to to make the whole thing happen so i mean if done right the, the progression doesn't have to be painful you know it's gonna you, you're gonna fall a few times but it probably not not a whole i actually posted a reel of of all the different falls that, that i have video of and and it's like a minute long compilation of just slams <laughs> You can tell after the first few, I kind of figured out falling uphill is, is the safest bet. Most of them don't look too bad. <laughs> if, if you can actually make that happen. Yeah, that's a that's a challenge, though. But yeah. well, Jay, thanks a ton for for joining us. But also thanks a ton for doing what you're doing. I mean, it just looks looks super cool. You're exciting. You know, such a huge part of the community, the ski community. Probably people who aren't even skiing are looking at it going, wow, like that is just awesome. And yeah, thanks for doing what you're doing. Yeah, thanks for having me, Chris. I appreciate it, man. It's nice to meet you. Oh, and you know what? Uh, actually, I heard about you through, uh, there's, you know, Tom and Gabby Schaefer. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 I wrote a chairlift with them and they were talking about you. And it was right after you reached out to me the first time. And I was like, I'll tell them you said what's up. <laughs> oh, that is great. Hopefully they tuned in. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. I grew up with Tom uh, back at Berkshire East. Yeah. His, his oldest brother is my age. So, so nice. Tom's number three in the, in the progress three of four, but yeah, I've known, known Tom for forever, which is great. I mean, get, the ski community gets to be a small community. So, so yeah. cool. Yeah, them too. So yeah, well, cool. Well, thanks a ton. Really appreciate it. Uh, thanks to all of you for tuning in. You know, I hope you've enjoyed it. If you did, please tell your friends. We'll try to get people who are just as cool as Jay for the next one. Uh, but also, this will be a podcast later on on your traditional podcast, whether on YouTube, Spotify, Apple, all the other suspects. And so the greatest, the greatest gift you can give us 
is to follow us and to like us. So thanks a ton. And thanks to Jay and, and keep doing great stuff, man. Sweet, man. All right. See ya.